The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Who are you? I lead a group of immortals. An army, I guess. Soldiers. Fighters like you. How old are you? Old. How old? Too old. You've got questions, kid. I get it. You want answers? Get back in the car. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I am Topman Addington. And uh, it's so we had plans this summer to do movies that were. We had plans. We had plans. We all had plans. Everybody had plans. Um, And uh, uh, we we had plans to cover some movies as they came out. I mean, we were going to go to Mulan. Like there were things we were going to do as they they were released. And we and we, um, you know, it's a small thing in in, you know, the global issues. But we didn't get to do those. However, sort of falling from the sky to us via Netflix and some very talented women is a movie by one of uh, the directors that we that we really dig. So we are going to talk about The Old Guard from this year, from like last month, mm-hmm. which is one of the biggest streaming movies this summer. Uh, and so... Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to talk about this. Now, did you know about the old guard before I said, "Hey, let's do the old guard?" <laughs> I knew it was a thing that was on Netflix, but um not really because I I don't know. I think I'm uh farther than usual out of the loop of um <laughs> what's going on in entertainment. <laughs> um so I had, uh, yeah, I had seen the, it had come up on, on Netflix, not on my Netflix, <laughs> based on what I've been watching recently, Netflix did not think I'd be interested, but I'd seen it on other people's Netflix. Yes. Um, and then once you said it, then it was like, oh, I've seen, you know, there's Buzzfeed's, BuzzFeed headlines, there's mm-hmm. chatter about it. So, um, so I realized how behind I was fairly quickly. Uh, when did you first uh, discover it? I am ashamed to say I didn't know it was coming out until the trailer dropped, like three weeks before the movie came out. I uh, was not paying attention to um, Gina, Gina Prince Bythewood's career in a way that I should have been. Now, part of that is not I, I don't I don't take full responsibility for that, if only because she has not been allowed to make enough movies. Um, and so we, last time we talked about love and basketball, her movie that came out in 2000 and then her, she did a bunch of TV, but her follow-up film was the secret life of bees in 2008. That's eight, an eight year gap from first to second movie. And then then when's beyond the lights, that's 2014. That's six years later. And now it's six years later. So, um, it's a real, 
Uh, and, the, and those are she did. A, there was a, there was TV in between and there was a TV movie uh, called Disappearing Acts, I think, for HBO that she did um, with uh, Sanaa Lathan as well. Um, and so you so she's been making stuff. It's just not not sort of feature films, um, which is, uh, you know, which is a cry and shame. Um uh, but and then we're a little we're a little ahead of ourselves. But can I tell you just since I have it here, can I tell you about her next movie because she's making a movie Please. coming up here. It's called The Woman King. Ooh. Okay, it stars Viola Davis. Yes. And, and here's what it is. It tells the story of a general of an all female military unit and her daughter who together fought the French and neighboring tribes who violated their honor, enslaved their people, and threatened to destroy everything they've lived for. And it's a true story. I mean, it feels like that is the culmination of what our podcast is about. A little <laughs> it really bit. Does. It really does. It, it's such a. Um, it just seems to sort of tick all the uh, tick all the boxes. Um, Tickles all our fancies. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Uh, and I think Lupita Nyong'o, I think, is going to be in it too. Um, anyway, uh, very exciting. So. Mark that one on your calendars, folks. Whenever they finally get to make it, and whenever whenever it gets released, we will uh, we will watch it. Uh, but nevertheless, we are here today to talk about 2020's The Old Guard. And I'm going to yes, keep monologuing, <laughs> give you the two bits of film history, unless you have something to add. No, I was just yeah, I was just going to say <laughs> since you know the that little conversation is our histories with it. It's an it's a new movie that has been released on Netflix fairly recently, so. Mm-hmm. For both of us, we watched it fairly recently. <laughs> That's kind of it. <laughs> we did. Yes, please, Tobin, tell me more about this, the background here. Uh, based on a comic book. Uh, and it has a, for, for comic book movies, it's like got half the budget of a usual comic book movie. It's still, the budget is listed as $70 million. So we're still, it's still a, it's considered, a, you know, a big budget um, uh, action comic book movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it means that, Gina Prince by the way becomes the first black woman ever to direct a big budget comic book movie. Uh, so that's that's a first. The other thing that's really cool that sort of flew under the radar until I think it was a Vanity Fair article or somewhere an article came out like where they talked about this that the the post production team so that's everything that happens after the movie's shot mm-hmm. post production they have all the, the everything from like you know scoring and special effects and editing and you know sound editing all that stuff um uh 85% women in this mm-hmm. in the uh post production team the, the, there was some statistic that said um uh post production su- uh uh was a post production supervisor but no special effects supervisor. They're like three percent of all movies have women special effects supervisors, and and this has one of them. So this is not only not only um, uh, un, sort of virtually unheard of in movie in in movies, but for sure in big budget action comic book movies, you just do not get this many women working mm-hmm. on uh, working uh, on a movie. So I mean, the uh, last sort of flex I've heard about that was people talking about attempting parody uh-huh. in departments. <laughs> Uh-huh. And and struggling to do that, so yeah, that that blows my mind. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's very cool. And That's I where and I, I work. I know, I know, I know, I know. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I think they did. I think they did some fine work here. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, even for you know when you say the budget, and yes, seventy million dollars is a ton of money, but for movies is also not right. Um, it's gorgeous yeah it's beautiful period it's gorgeous for that amount of money 
yeah, as yeah, well yeah. in a way that I'm just now understanding. So yeah, and when you and when you if you if you pay attention to the if you if you are someone who is steeped in what movies cost and you know you you then when you hear oh this is seventy million dollars you can see oh yeah okay I can see how they maybe there are things they didn't do because they could they didn't have another hundred million dollars to make the movie but right. it didn't it didn't ever affect me in the watching of the movie I never felt like oh this feels cheap you know right yeah yeah no gorge. Uh, so speaking of uh, women in major roles, can you take us through uh, the women in major role involved in major roles in the old guard? I would love to, and I see I see some familiar names here. That <laughs> yes. I'm sure I butchered before. Let's see how I do this time. Okay. All right, director Gina Prince. By the way, actors Charlie Theron, Kiki Lane, Veronica and Go. Anna Maria Marinka. Producers Dana Goldberg, Beth Kono, and Charlize Theron. Cinematographer Tammy Riker. Editing Terilyn Shropshire. Casting Lucy Bevan and Aisha Coley. Set decoration Gilles Aziz. Costume design, Mary E. Voigt. And as mentioned uh, previously, visual effects supervisor, Sarah Bennett. What a list. What a lineup. I love it. I'm curious, Tobin, how you will summarize this movie because it's, I would have a hard time (laughs) being succinct with it. So um, take it away. Okay, I'm going to cut a lot of corners here. <laughs> when U.S. Marine Niall Freeman, played by Kiki Lane, is killed in the line of duty, she comes back to life, her wounds miraculously healed. Next thing she knows, she's abducted by another immortal, the steely Andromache, or Andy, played by Charlize Theron, and inducted into a team of do-gooder immortals who've been fighting in worldly conflicts since, well, for as long as Andy can remember. The team comes into the sights of a big pharmaceutical company whose twisted CEO wants to harvest their tissue for the secret to eternal life. In the end, Naya must decide whether to turn her back on her new friends or give up the mortal attachments she's always known and take her place as a member of the old guard. Ooh, I like that. You shifted the frame. I did a little bit. It was easier that way to just sort yeah. of hang it on Nile. I thought. You're so smart. You're so smart. <laughs> Okay, can I say a couple of things? Please, because this movie, it should be said, there's a reason it doesn't show up in your Netflix mentions. Right. Okay, like this is not, there's a lot of fisticuffs in this movie. There's a lot of spurting blood. (laughs) but, But here's why some of it is strangely gorgeous. Okay, um, okay. If, if if I watch just the team as they roll through an encounter, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like a dance. It's beautiful. It's whatever. If I pay any attention to the <laughs> brutality without hesitation uh-huh. that they're inflicting, then I got to get up. I got to take a break because it's pretty gross. And mm-hmm. and there are grot- like truly grotesque moments that being said, 
I love this movie. Oh, yay! <gasps> I'm so glad. Now, I didn't care until <laughs> we got to the Nile. Yeah. Right? Because the first mm-hmm. set of scenes the um, mm-hmm. is where we have, uh, what's her name? Um, Andy as our narrator. Mm-hmm. And you're learning that they... Uh, can regenerate and come back to life. Right. Um, and they're on a heist. And so we've like, we've met what we perceive to be the team and, and they only, they, they don't do repeat clients, right. Mm-hmm. They go out and do these missions, but there's a repeat client and it's about young girls being kidnapped. And so, okay, we're going to go help. And then I realized it, it's a trap. Um, and then like independently got to So I didn't, I didn't care. Because it starts off with just a lot of violence. Right. Just right, right there. And they're trying right. to emphasize how thoroughly these people were killed. <laughs> right, right, right. To demonstrate their powers. And then they just decimate the entire bunker. Right. And right. then dispose of everything, which is disgusting as well. Um, <laughs> I feel like if they've been around for that long, they should have, like, you know, a wet work team. But. Neither here nor there. Yeah. This is what if I, if I came on board, I would change some things. Um, so yeah, I didn't care until Niall got involved, and I didn't love it until they were in the airplane having the their fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, okay, I'm here, I'm in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, and and I don't th- I don't mean that as like a detriment to the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm sure people could love it from the first frame. And if I go back now, I do need the whole story. I'm Mm -hmm. also going to have a really hard time separating my comments about, like, the quality and what it means and all that with my extreme attraction to Charlize Theron in this role. (laughs) Okay. And this is also, like, a hard fought. Like, I was not a fan of the parts that that Charlize was playing in the nineties when I came to know of her. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get it. It was not for me. I have feel like the more I understand about her as a person and the more that she Mm -hmm. also um, is, is taking on a producer role. And and I think other, you know, behind the scene roles, the more that she's in control of um, kind of what we see or what, what's being portrayed. Right. I have fought, I have fallen for her pretty right. hard, okay. but yep. this was absolutely the, the gorgeous androgyny that she had going on was excellent. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to try to separate my, <laughs> uh, my, uh, uh, blushing affections from what I actually have to say about them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then just one other thing, and then I want you to talk. um, The other, because then when the team gets separated and we're going to start torturing them, I was like, hesitant again. And then they they have Joe and Nikki, or Joey and Nick, no, Joey and Nikki, in the the van and the, um, you know, mercenary Tough soldier guy yeah yeah are like making fun of them because of their relationship what is he your boyfriend oh yeah. my god and his response yeah. so good was so good and then they killed all those guys 
<laughs> and we don't see it, right? Like we no. the van the van door opens and like a dead body falls out, and they've just taken just... out all these guys with their handcuffs on. Yeah. But I, I I love how the the response uh, the the faces of the of those um the mercenaries was just like a little bit dumbfounded. And I, I feel like mm-hmm. I saw a little embarrassment and shame of like, mm-hmm. yeah, this, totally. This person knows something that I don't, or has yeah. something that I don't, um, and, it, and we'll never have. Yeah, we'll never have. And then that I think leads yeah. into really nicely the um, the goals and the the way that the group of the old guard itself hangs together mm-hmm. or not, and mm-hmm. and and why they have different levels of comfort with their role. I don't know. Mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm, Toby, mm-hmm. did you like this movie? <laughs> I, I, the I, I really, I really like this movie. Um, uh, I want to say one quick thing just before I forget about the Joe Nicky romance. Um, I, I know there was, I remember that when the trailer came out and then I realized you directed it. And then I, there was some chatter on film Twitter about, fears that they would underplay the Joe Nikki mm. relationship. So, cause this is based on a comic book um, that they, that, that that would be underplayed or, or sort of washed away. Mm. Um, and then, and then, there, uh, you know, chatter afterwards, people, after people had seen it about how great it was, how great that relationship is in the movie. Um, uh, the apparently um, Greg Rucka, I think, yeah, Greg Rucka who wrote the comic book and the screenplay for the movie, when he sold the rights to the, to make the comic book into a movie, one stipulation in the contract was that they not change the Joe Nikki relationship. That that had to stay, you know, as he had a sort of approval over that, which I just think is really, I think I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, so I liked this movie from that first scene, but I think part of that has to do with it is my kind of movie. I mean, it's the kind of thing if if, if there's except for the really bad, clearly really. Um, hyper-masculine uh, action-y stuff that, that gets put out on streaming services that feels like it's, oh, we're, we're <laughs> you know, some movie that, um, uh, you know, Bruce Willis has made in Russia for, you know, right. Ruples or whatever. I, I don't have any real interest in that. But anything with any kind of sophistication, particularly with with knowing the people who are behind it. Uh, so the, 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 the filmmaking at the beginning, I was, I mean, I was in, I was yeah. just like, it's just, go ahead. I was just going to say, it should be said, this is the kind of movie you would convince me to watch with you. You would have mm-hmm. loved and right. then said, I'll, you know, you can close your eyes when people get beheaded. Right. I'll tell you when, but, to, it's, yeah, but yeah. it's worth it. And, the, and, and I, and you would really love it. And, and so I just want to also say, you're so good at kind of getting people in to see what they might not expect they would mm, oh. like. And so, yeah. um, I think just folks should take advantage of you on Twitter for that. If they're, oh, if they're like, for sure. instance, I don't like country music, which Tobin is right. famous for being able to find an entree into for <laughs> folks. Um, or I don't like this kind of movie or that kind of movie. I feel like you're so great at um, meeting folks where they are, as oh. we like to say in education, and then um, bringing them kind of into the fold. So Someplace I new. Yeah. Much, oh, like, thanks you would have convinced me to watch that we would have oh. watched together and, and this is one we would have like rented at Finky's on a Saturday afternoon when we were like, you know, 15 and 10 or whatever. And like, yes. or 12 and 17 or whatever. And, and like watch the shit out of this movie. Yes. <laughs> and then we would have, you would have made her 
weapon. Oh, totally. Her little her battle axe kind of like a foreshortened battle axe kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I totally. love and knowing nothing. I will say in that first uh, scene or first first the first mission. Yes, thank you. I I got like I knew it was something about they could regenerate like I you know just from the tagline or whatever. Yeah. But I think it's so everything. I feel like so much of this is just done so smartly. They do so mm-hmm. much show don't tell or mm. show and then tell or however. But yeah. they are outfitted with all the things that they are comfortable with and that they are experts in, which spans centuries. centuries. Cause at first yeah. I was like, why, you know, you're going to bring a, a sword gun to a knife fighter. It looks like they're bringing a knife to a gun fight, but like, right. no, it makes sense for them. And then to see them all work together again, as disgusting as it was, there's something so, um, that makes me, what do you say when you like, you want to attain something, but like, I, I, I so, ad- yeah, I so admire their ultimate trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the teamwork. Yeah. They know each other. Yeah. So well, yeah. which takes vulnerability and strength and all those things to yep. be able to walk in and they know exactly what's going to happen. Right. Who's going to be where. And so oh, this is a thing that, that that's so the the opening thing with the voiceover, I'm like, OK, I'm into this. And then the that first fight scene. So people talk a lot about the the they'll describe fight scenes as being like dance, as being like ballet. And I'm sure when you're there in person, it often is because it is so physical and there are steps and there are moves and you practice the same steps over and over again and you learn combinations and mm-hmm. you you to know keep like everybody safe to make it look to good. Keep everybody safe. safe and all that. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. And and um this is the and I think the the violence in this is stylized so we watched Haywire in which mm-hmm. the uh, now like years ago for this podcast mm-hmm. um, in which the fighting in that was meant to be more brutal and like the, the it, it wasn't balletic. Right. Like the dance in in that was more um, rough and meant yeah. to be right. Like a grabbing the things they have around them and like how would this actually look? This is this is more balletic in a more in a, in a more literal sense. And the thing that I think was so one of the things that's so smart about this, maybe also after having watched a bunch of Marvel movies where they, the action in a lot of the Marvel movies, they um, plan ahead before they even hire the director sometimes. Like they have the oh. action worked out, like the special effects worked out and the director just comes in like to direct the dialogue scenes. And, you know, that's that's sort of it. Less true in things like Black Panther, but in a lot of the, those movies, it, they don't do a lot of the action. So in this, the dance is not just between the actors and stunt performers, but between the camera, like the camera's mm. moving with them so much. So we, it may, puts us in a position to always be right where we need to be, just like they're always where they need to need to be in this fight. And so it feels chaotic and wild, but also feels like, oh, I'm here. I need to be here. Oh, I need to be here. I need to be here. And like, we are suddenly moving at their speed in a way that I thought was just breathtaking all through this movie, the fights, the stunt um, coordination, and then that, how that's shot in this movie are fantastic. Like should be taught how these things work together in this movie. Thank you so much for that because I did not see it in that way, but now (laughs) I'm going to have to go back and watch it again um, to, to pick up on that. So that's, thank you. Cause you're so right. I just didn't, 
you know, also because it was on the edge of movement for me. And I think yeah, going shaky. from the, the movement that you're talking about, which it was weird, right? Because it was smooth, but mm-hmm. it was a lot of movement. Yep, and yep. then into the Afghanistan part, yeah, I did have to t- um, pause and take half a Dramamine. <laughs> and then put it on. A, I couldn't watch it on the big screen. I had to watch it on a yeah, small screen. I didn't either. Um, yeah, I did too. Yeah, because I get um, significantly motion oh. sick. But um, but sometimes movies do that to me too. So I would say that to folks if you're yeah. um, intrigued but not sure. I also find watching it on a small screen helps when it is a genre out of my comfort. So mm-hmm. I watched that fantastic and grotesque revenge movie. Is it called Revenge? Of us, the French one. The French one. I yeah. watched that on a small screen because I was like, okay, uh-huh. I need to make that sure smart. That yeah. around yeah. me I know everything is fine. Right. Right. Um, so just as a as a tip. Um but yeah, thank you. The way you describe that and that the camera's involved is I, I can see that now that you say it and that um truly did. I think yes, the camera added something that is not always true and especially right. in like a shoot 'em up moment. Right. And then it ties back to the um, love of basketball, to her shooting of sports. I mean, it's a there's a remember we talk about the camera being her eyes, Monica's eyes in the basketball scenes. I mean, the the level of sophistication that this filmmaker has with where to put the camera for action, whether that action is sports or violence, is pretty is pretty impressive. Then when we get the movie, then when it gets to Afghanistan and we and we get the Nile scenes, I had then I had the same experience that you in some ways I think that you did where that scene comes and you get begin to, and first of all, she's great. I think this actor, actor is fantastic. I think the whole combat <laughs> unit, which can yeah. we say? Yes. So she's in a, a unit of women, um, yep. which, you know, depending on where you are and what you're doing, that's how it works. Um, their camaraderie, but yeah. then is splintered. Yeah. It's so fascinating to watch. There's not a lot of, dialogue between them all there's not a lot of scenes but it's so Mm -mm. impactful Mm -hmm. and it's not oh look these are the women in the military like this is the marine right in the same way andy's an immortal being and it just and these two guys are gay and i was so relaxed because i knew that it wasn't nothing was going to be about the gender (laughs) yes yes they all have a gender identity Right. And likely for the immortal beings, you know, they have hopefully taken the time to really play with the continuum <laughs> in their lives, <laughs> you know, yes. depending on where they are and who they're around. Totally. But, um, but it just like this movie was not interested in that. Right. Right. And right. I think right. Part of that is these immortal beings that are just that kind of stuff that humans are still trying to figure out what's <laughs> yeah they're okay, so past this exactly they're yeah beyond it and so we in this world were beyond it as well that's and a great I, point yeah that's a great I, point i love that that's that i was like in the midst of a fight scene relaxed because i knew it wasn't gonna be i wasn't gonna have to deal with that kind of bullshit that's right yeah and right. they were all they don't have time for like, Niall yeah. was fantastic yeah. they were all Fantastic. The women in the um that they were there to the protect that were yep. that were the terror terrorist in quotes. I don't I don't know, but we don't we know whatever kind of combatants there. Yeah. Yep. Um that he's uh hiding he's holding them, right, using them as human human shields in this. That was 
amazing. I mean, it was a completely mm-hmm. different movie than the one I had just yeah, seen. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how that worked, but it did. But they were all, yeah, just, yeah they were all great. Well, I just I'm so it's so tied into because I, I I watched the first thing and they the first part and they there are immortal team fights and then they die and then they fight and and it's like oh this is cool I love this movie but I don't know where you go from here and then you introduce this other character who's going to become part of this team and then I'm then I and, and so the, the combination of casting and 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 putting these women together and uh, and then the way that the scenes are as you say as you said earlier which is so true how so much is told and not or shown and not told to us like we just dropped into this and to get through that stuff it's very clear how she feels about being com- becoming immortal and how that mm-hmm. reacts to the how she react how these other people react to her about that and the ostracizing that is being done to her and you know like bad news it's all bad news and it hurts her like that's painful for her yeah she sort of has no good options and then and that, so then i was emotionally involved in the movie whereas from the beginning i was kind of like viscerally involved like mm-hmm. oh it's this fight thing and they're fighting with swords and guns at the same time and they're pulling it off and it's so cool and then it's like okay but then you're now my i'm sort of now I have a, someone to really root for in this in this story, and I think that that was, um, as you say, so hard. It's just a, two such disparate, mm-hmm. you know, aesthetics and stories and characters, and to then be sort of drawn together is, um, I think it, maybe it's deceptive how easy that they make it look here, mm-hmm. but it's sure. really really tough, I think. Well, because these people, the the old guard that we've met, are timeless. I mean, it's very. It was clear to me that, you know, once we see them, we see the end of their kind of cleanup, right? That they're, they're going to wear things that are functional, but nondescript. Right. Um, I, I didn't love the, oh, let me take the selfie for you so I can get out of this photograph because immediately I was like, there's no way to cleanse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, with where we are now with, um, social media and everything that gets dealt with. But, um, but so I like, I got their thing and it was so, um, absent of particular space and time. But then we Mm -hmm. go into this uniformed space that is very, it's like, it's like Niall's the opposite of that. She is so set in her place and time. And to then see that get merged. That's a great point. Yeah. um, Yeah. Was, was cool too, because, and I just, I think, I mean, Charlie's, I does, <laughs> I cannot see anyone else for this role. That's not uh-huh. going to be the game. We're not going to talk about other people that could play this. Because uh-huh. especially in the, you know, the airplane scene is yeah. the, that's what we get for like a background and a montage and a getting you mm-hmm. on our side. Right. It's right, so right. condensed. Yeah. And, and at this point in the movie, it was put in the story, Andy is is kind of over it a little bit because totally sort of lost the motivation for what they're doing. And then mm-hmm. they now are, were trapped and are being hunted. Right. So she's just like, does not have the time <laughs> for this. Totally. But, totally. Um, I, I think it's clever from, I assume the origin, um, comic book that when there's a new one they all can feel it and so like mm-hmm. that's how they could find each other mm-hmm. um so well, we didn't have to waste too much time with that but <laughs> the airplane which is just like okay yeah hit me with the next argument sure 
fine. <laughs> yeah. cool. um, I have a little dig of like, you're already on board with Supernatural, so just... <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, How big a leap is this really, honey? Which yeah. would be so jarring to hear. Mm-hmm. But from this, you know, old guard vantage point is is also kind of humorously true. Um, yeah. But yeah, just her attitude, everything. It was so good and just got us through that part. And mm-hmm. then it's kind of the rest of the team's job to truly acclimate this person. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she gets the initial inoculation and then and then she gets you know tutoring and in, in how to do this um and then we, i like that that through her coming in is then how we learn some of the history we know and some of the relationships mm-hmm. um and kind of how they all live it differently yeah yeah yep and 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 also together how they sort of Mm-hmm. How they merged and how it all works in yeah. a, when they're not fighting. <laughs> right. Although <laughs> they don't know why it works. They don't know right. for how long it will work. It works for right. a long time, but not forever, forever. But, but different different lengths for everybody, it seems like. You just, yeah. you just can't tell when your wounds are going to stop healing. That in itself is a movie. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, it adds yeah. a level. So one of the things with the with the um, movie immortal story, immor- stories where characters are immortal, mm-hmm. is then how do you have stakes for them? How do you have how how if they can't be killed? You know, it's the Superman problem though, right? Like it's absent kryptonite. What, what do you mm-hmm. like? You have to invent some way. And so the idea that you you throw some uncertainty into this otherwise certain situation that yeah, you can go into this fight and take every bullet that you can. And it's cool when they do in the like throw themselves in front of bullets because yeah. they can just take it. Like that's it's a it's that's that's a neat sort of device. But then the level of uncertainty where like, yeah, but you might not this time be able to come out of it means that they have to keep their skills sharp, right? Like they can't just stand right. there and so and it it's a neat sort of and this right. Both the both the um pain of being afflicted by the wound as well as the wound healing itself, they both seem to be painful. <laughs> It's super intense. So then, okay, there are a couple of uh, twists and turns and sort of betrayals. And what I'm interested in what worked for you. And maybe it all did. But like kind of the two points I'm thinking of are. um, So Copley that hired them and was in cahoots with the pharmaceutical company. Mm hmm in order to figure out how to um, uh, keep people from succumbing to degenerative diseases. Right. I get that. Be like, okay, well then study lobsters, right? Because lobsters also don't get degenerative diseases. Um, Just saying. This is a very different movie. It's a very... And it's not called <laughs> for just studying. Lo- I mean, I would watch that man study lobsters. Don't get me wrong. Okay, so that's my kind of thing with, cause I, I see him and I'm like, okay, it's going to be good because I like you. Um, so he basically turned them over because of some personal experience with losing loved ones. Mm-hmm. Because he believed that the pharmaceutical company was going to do th- it the right way. I mean, I'm sorry. I just can't. Capitalism is always going to 
and in a gross little curly haired man boy stabbing you. I mean, it's just what it's going to be, right? Like that's, (laughs) so I was, yeah. And then on the other side, Booker, who is the youngest of the four yes, I of think them, so. right? Um, he turns out that he gave the them up to Copley because he wanted a way to die. So there, those are the well. Sorry, that was my perception of it. I couldn't. You know, it's so hard because he had lost a son to cancer. Mm-hmm. And we see that in flashback. And so I couldn't tell. And he, But then there's lines about him wanting to find a way to die. And then I'm like, okay, so is it that he wants to die? Or is it that he wants to say, save other people other the people. same way That's a good Copley point. does? And it's like, there's, it felt like too many of the same thing that it just wasn't clear to me. It felt like someone eventually said, well, it could be, it just could be either. And you get to decide. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that doesn't really help me. <laughs> like, tell me what his deal is, you know, right. show me what his deal is. So I was a little unclear about his motivation for turning them in. The, the, I will say the the um, pharmaceutical guy, that mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah, tell me. Felt that's where it felt the most cartoony, the most comic book cartoony to me. It yeah. didn't. He didn't feel like a human being to me. Neither did his scientist, the scientist lady who was like that. Felt like we're in full comic book world yeah that was and right. I, and it was I, the stark tower was the merit tower yes right and i and I, so i wish that that had been you know they they do a uh in the movie um it's a john le carré book uh with um that rachel Weisz won the oscar for um the constant gardener uh is a, a spy story set in africa where the um a, a bad people are pharmaceutical companies um, testing drugs on um, uh, Africans who think they're getting HIV treatments, I think. Um, and they're able to do that and make everybody involved f- feel like human beings who are just like super, because if capitalism doesn't end with the little man boy with a hoodie, mm-hmm. it ends with somebody in a British accent and a suit who's like, who talks in numbers and not in human sure. lives, right? Um, and so uh, ends in a white dude one way or another. Um, uh, but it feels like it feels like that's a place where the movie doesn't um, do the same work. The story mm-hmm. doesn't do the same work that it has done with all these other characters. And I wish it had because I would have Every time those scenes come up, I, so oh, now I'm watching. A, it's a little generic. It's a little sure. bit generic, and and the rest of the movie has felt less generic. And so, um, yeah, I didn't I didn't love that that stuff because every time we were in those scenes, I wanted to get back to uh, right. Charlize Theron and Kiki Lane. You know, I wonder how um, that fits with the um, comic book if that mm-hmm. is an ongoing foe or if that's right. one you know book one story and, yeah. yeah yeah um because it i think you're right it's the least complex and if we were meant to get from him in his presentation to donors or to investors the like more steve jobs side of uh-huh uh-huh. This is moving humanity forward. Not, I mean, that's not how I feel. It's just how I, f- I feel like people see. Right. That that's how, how he'd be presenting himself. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause I didn't get that. Cause at mm-hmm. that point it was all about, all I could see was like, you are the monopoly man. Like I, I was, yeah. 
beyond yeah. it at that point. And so you're right. Like his turn to just plain stabbing him is a little bit less earned. Right. Similarly, I don't entirely Copley's thing didn't entirely get me that he had studied them and he understood this big picture mm-hmm. that, but then he was going to sell them out yeah. for, I guess what is a different big picture to him. I don't know. It, 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 and it was solved a little bit for me when Charlize explains to him his new role yeah. at the end. And mm-hmm. there is like justice in that. But I wanted more. I guess I sort of yeah. wanted um, one of them posted at his door or something right. to make sure that right. he was going to do that. Like they're so right. kind of cut and dry in their version of right and wrong that yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like it was just slightly weak sauce. Yeah, it feels like the plot mechanics take over in the as the movie moves into its second half. And now we have to make all these plot things happen and so copley has to have a turn and then we find out copley is actually good or at least has good intentions and or can be persuaded because because merrick is the worst and so now he realizes he's done something wrong but then book has that same supposed to have that same turn and it's like how many of these do i need to endure before i get to where I need right. to be at the end and and i i feel like you're, you're right if they had had if merrick had had if our pharmaceutical guy if we'd started with him at some like um, talking to on Face the Nation or, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, or at one of those like a, a veil or, you know, the Aspen Ideas Fest or whatever, like Daha, like wherever there's some like fancy, fancy place where he's like adored by people and right. is doing all this good and truly seems genuine and good right. and like altruistic and donating. He's donated, you know, half his, you know, $4 billion fortune to do this and this and this and this mm-hmm. and this. And then you find out behind the scenes, oh no, like this is, there's right. something really dark and twisted here. And I think I would have like believed a, it more. Uh, Charlie's Angels. Right, right. Kind of exactly. way, where it's the yes. science versus the business of it. Right. Because I could see either way, I could see that version. Um, and I would like to see that. It would make the youngest CEO bullshit would make more sense there. Yeah. But um and then the scientist be the evil one. Yeah. Cuz that's more unsettling honestly. Totally. Um I don't know. Yeah, it just it was in in when everything else like had me, those were the parts that I was like, well, yeah, then it's like, well, just show me more of of Charlie's and, and Kiki. Um Yeah. Also the pharmacy scene. Oh yeah amazing and i love that like andy didn't really know what to do but had an instinct to like leave and take yep. care of it right and it was she realizes she's being she, she's her wounds aren't healing yeah she's not regenerating or, as quickly as fast or yeah, yeah yeah and so she has um an injury that stab wound she, in a, she doesn't yeah. want them to see but also needs to be potentially dealt with um right. And so she goes into a pharmacy and just watching her not know what to get because she doesn't have injuries. <laughs> yes. um, and then we see this sort of goth um, young French. woman, French young woman <laughs> behind the counter. And then you hear sirens and kind of there's this moment of not knowing what's going to happen. And, and the um, re- not receptionist, the, pharmacist or the pharmacist cashier lady um takes her to the storeroom and cleans her up whatever right because no one should be alone 
And that was so sweet. Yeah. And just so, I, I don't know. I loved it. And it, but I didn't get until like the end of the movie, how that was such a significant moment mm-hmm. for Andy mm-hmm. to understand that there was still work to be done because there are, you know, still people that are worth it. I mean, because she was just getting right. so tired of humanity making things worse. Right. We see her seeing the news, like all this sh- terrible shit happening. And she's like, have you seen the world? The world's gone to shit. Why would we, why would we help? Right. Like the and, and are we really helping? We're just making, you, know, you pull one string and there's other strings and all that. Right. Um, and so I love the scene in the moment. And then at, at the end, then I like remembered it again. Because mm-hmm. I think it's a significant moment for her, but is so kind of mild. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, in a movie, this is this is the this is the sort of scene that in these kinds of movies usually involves someone of the opposite sex, or I shouldn't say this. But, well, yeah, it usually does because usually a heterosexual couple at the center mm-hmm. of these movies. I think about the Born Identity, a movie I love, where the scene where they're on the run together and then he, she has to like cut his hair and dye his hair and then they end up having sex. Like that's the way these these scenes go. Is that there's some erotic element mm-hmm. to these to these kinds of scenes. The middle of the movie, someone's wounded, someone else hiding them out in a back room stitches them up, and then they end up like having some kind of encounter. And the idea. That this one is just a genuine moment of humanity right. between these two very people. Very intimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and and she's very vulnerable. Like she makes herself vulnerable. Charlize does. Andy does in that moment in a way that she doesn't in a lot of the rest of the movie. But the fact that it is just it feels radical in this way. That's like because it's just two people. It's not two mm-hmm. people who are going to hook up or one might be bad or whatever. Like it's just this true this true sort of connection that these two people have. That then, as you say, it becomes like thematically relevant and character relevant to her but um it's such a it's such a nice moment and that i mean as with the rest of this movie the acting is so good but the woman who plays the the cashier the pharmacist is so she's just uh in that kind of there's this kind of like french way of just of being very direct but very earnest mm. you know and very genuine uh and it's something that, that i i then it ties into a lot of Gina Prince by the woods movies. There's a genuineness to her movies. And that doesn't mean that they're always nice or that the characters mm-hmm. are always good or, but there's, there's a there's genuine humanity in, in all of these movies in a way that is sometimes doesn't show up in, you know, like big budget movies, especially right. ones with a bunch of killing in them. Well, and in this case, I feel like she was one of the only not superhuman characters we had, mm. right? We mm. had the old guard and then mm. Copley and Merrick who are in their own way, sort of superhuman. They Super, have these resources yeah. and whatever. Right. And the right. only other people are gunmen and gunwomen right. that we don't ever meet because they're right. killed. Right. And they happen to be working for the wrong people. <laughs> like, I don't know what else. <laughs> right. I don't know if they're bad or not, but they were in the wrong uniform. We're in the wrong uniform. Um, and so that also was striking to me of like, oh, this is just a person. Yeah. And yeah. I haven't seen very many just a person. Right. Right. In the, in right. the last hour and a half. So. Right. And we haven't in these movies. Right. right. It, it's sort of contextualized in the in the in the genre. It's an unusual encounter. Mm-hmm. With a with a civilian, you know, <laughs> who's not a target, who's not an asset, right. who's not a love interest, back, who's not a yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a moment in that's time. That's if there's a sequel. I, I would watch. The, I would also watch the little tiny French movie that's just about her. 
like just intersect with Charlie's there. And there's one thing is just otherwise just like about her love life and her day and her like trying to get through the work week and, you know, like just like a fly on the wall, you know, <laughs> of that, oh of that uh, cashier's uh, kind of like life in, in Paris or whatever. That would be good. That would be good. Have you seen um, Mad Max Fury Road? No. I, I didn't think you would have. Because here's the thing. Carsick. So I'd watch. I just can't imagine a moving action movie. Yeah. So um, not to try and talk you into Mad Max Fury Road, um, but it's there's almost no handheld camera work oh. in that. The stuff in the car, you're either in, you're either like, you know, we're we're on the truck and the truck's just moving, and we're or we're riding along next to them. Like it, it's 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 not. But the landscape I went into is going it, by. Yeah, but it's it's not like this going by. It's just okay. going by. And there's a lot of like they stop a lot. Like they're okay. <laughs> they're stopped a lot. But anyway, that sort of thing. That was that was a sort of, you know, that's a big turning point in Charlize Theron's action yeah. career, you know. Uh, and there's much written about and talked about. People have asked us, a lot of people in my life have asked us to cover that movie and I we can't quite do it because she's not the lead. Um uh And are the you know, creative forces behind it women? No. Um, uh, but there is something kind of a landmark. It's a, it's a, there's a, there's a lot in it in terms of, um, there's, there's a lot of great stuff in it that I would be, that I would love your kind of take on. But where it comes into this is that there's, there's a, um, she plays a character who seems really, um, hard walls, tough and steely, and then turns out to be doing something for a very, very, um, uh, earnest okay. and open-hearted reasons mm. in a way that like is kind of, and then you see sort of cracks and, you know, in, and this movie feels, um, and so there's been some, not criticism, but some people have lodged the complaint that she's kind of just playing that character again here. Mm. Um, and, and I see what they're saying, but I don't think they're looking hard enough at the, at what this character, you know, this character's had, centuries upon centuries mm -hmm. to build up this kind of numbness that doesn't feel like steely like i'm trying to be tough just feels like i'm just over this shit yeah. as you say like just i've been doing this for so long and it's not doing any good right which i think so many of us you know can relate to <laughs> like you know what more do we need to give you know right. to make this world a better place and then just keeps getting worse and and that's that i think is something that's so um that it just reflects differently in this movie on, I think this, this performance is more different from Fury Road than a lot of people are giving her credit for. I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not able to <laughs> comment on that. Um, but I love her in this yeah. performance. I love the team in this performance. Then the last kind of team thing I wanted to say is then, so, you know, Booker betrayed them, but they're going to get through whatever this is together and then make decisions. And so when they go after Merrick, which I love, um, it's gruesome, but, you know, they get it done. And, and there's a <laughs> question of is Charlie's going to make it through because no one really knows. And so right. this um, sort of preparing to pass the torch to Niall. And that I thought was, um, you know, kind of lovely in its own way, mm -hmm. but 
but that then she just melds into the group right and you see just little kind of touches here or motions there to know that they are moving as a unit is right just right and to protect her at every sort of and but she doesn't you know like she's doing it she comes out she gets the axe like i'm going around with the axe like you guys you know but yeah yeah totally totally so so good um so that we can get to this place where it doesn't end with yeah it could have ended with the cop showing up and and Merrick with his head mostly chopped off in the car. Um, right. Um, but then we go to this little, you know, seaside cafe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, and, and, and I couldn't read the whole thing. It was too fast, but clearly an establishment that has historical value. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, the founder's pub or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so they sentence Booker to 100 years of solitude for his crime. Yeah. And it, it makes so much sense, but it's so hard. And yeah, and you know, it his betrayal had everything to do with how he lived after he realized he was immortal, which was he tried to maintain his, these relationships. Right. Right. That's why he betrayed them. And then that's the poetic nature of his punishment is that he's alone for 100 years. (laughs) Right. Oh, Oh, Like that, that felt like, like you say, how do you, how do you come up with stakes? Like that's how. Right, right. Um, And that then what we were left with in terms of the Charlize of it all is him feeling like he's not going to see her again. Right. Because she will likely die in that hundred years if she's not. Yeah. Regenerating fast enough. And then the last peekaboo. Right, yeah. is we've yep. heard tale of Queen, um, or Queen, who was it was just Charlene and Quinn for a long time, right? Obviously, witch trials. I thought that was an interesting. We've talked about uh, <laughs> that historical absurdity uh, uh-huh. on this podcast before, and I think this uh-huh. represented it in a way that, um. Of, of course, of course, because they would hang them and they would come back to life. Like, of <laughs> right. course, they think they're witches. Right. Um, but that our understanding is that um, Queen was in a iron coffin under the ocean. Iron Maiden, yeah. And so yep. would just continue to drown. Right. And then they stopped seeing visions of her. So we assumed she was gone forever. Gone forever. I don't know what happened. Right. Right. She shows but for like she, 500 years. She has yeah. been, she was drowning in that coffin. Yeah. But now she's in his kitchen with a glass of water, which I thought was funny. <laughs> what? I didn't catch that. That's good. Yeah. I didn't catch what that. What was your, what did that mean from your perspective? That meant that that's what the sequel is going to be about. She's going to be the bad guy in the sequel. Okay. That she's no? a bad guy and she's there to, I think so. To get Revenge. Booker on her side. Yeah. Okay. But, but I don't, I mean, I don't know anything about the comic book. That was just my, something about the mood and the. Yeah, I agree. You know, not, I was just hoping that wouldn't be it because I don't yeah. want the Andy Queen thing. Yeah. Um, what One yeah. cool thing about that is that the character was written as 
Japanese in the comic book. Mm-hmm. And then they wanted to cast Veronica Ngo, and she and she said, She's yeah, I'll Vietnamese, do it, but yeah? I'm Vietnamese, not Japanese. And so Gina Prince, by the way, you know, like emailed, you know, Greg Rucka and said, could, you know, can we accommodate this? And he's like, yeah, totally. She's a Vietnamese. Change the character's name, change the character's backstory. Like, okay. that sounds great. You know, like, yeah. and so reoriented the character based on who they wanted to hire rather than try and fit who they wanted to hire into, sure. you know, a whole different sort of, you know, um, history yeah. and culture um, than they, than they had, which I just, just you know, they, there, there's a lot of thought, I think that went into that. But for, in, in the interview that I read with Greg Reck, he's like, that sounded great to me. Like, you know, she's a great actor. So like, nice. yeah, let's, let's, let's make that, make that work. You know, there's one other part near the end that I, I just I had in my notes that I wanted to mention, which was the, um, uh, Oh no, sorry. Two things. One, the other thing that we learned in the wish trial thing that for me sort of, uh, uh, plot wise is you, I realized then what it would mean for them to be caught, like right. being captured becomes, becomes stakes as well, because if they can be, there are things people can do to them that would make them totally crazy, like right. burned alive it, or whatever, yes, you know? burned, burned alive over and over again, or being tortured by a pharmaceutical company. Right. Like then right. it's kind the, of, the, it's the, the ET sort they of, they can't be caught. It's not just that they're, you know, like, yeah, they can't be killed mm-hmm. usually, but they can't, but they, but you know, if they, if they're caught, that could be a fate worse than death, I right. guess is what it is. Which um, then is what to me would be why in part, why they don't take more than one job from a person. We, totally. I totally. feel like that, cause it's dangerous for them. Also, I thought of it at the beginning as a balance issue of mm. like, because the world is so complicated. Right. Right. Don't, we're not just on one side of one conflict of one with one person. Like, right. If, we're know, making if the best just, choices we can. If you just go all the way with PETA, right? For example, <laughs> like, what does that mean for you know uh, farm workers and wherever right. that are? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, what I love, is it? I love that's where you go, though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The other scene at the end. There, and of course, that's where I went. <laughs> the other scene at the end that I that I loved. Um, there's a moment where Copley and um, Niall, so mm. the, 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 everybody's been captured except Niall and Niall goes to see Copley and is like, comes in with the guns like, ah, and he's like, no, but this is not, a, I realize it's not a good thing. And so they drive together. He takes her to Merrick to where they're, to the place where they are. And then they're, they sneak, he sneaks her inside when the way she can get past the cameras. And then he's like, taking out a gun. Like, I'm gonna come with you do this thing. She's like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I got this, you know, <laughs> and it, it was this scene in the, where again, in like eight out of 10 of this kind of action movie, the dude who's been bad in the past is now going to redeem himself by, by saving the woman who's been, right. she's, and like this movie was like, no, like he is not equipped for this. No, like, yeah, he's not. Exactly. Exactly. So I, and, and he like, okay, like went along with it, you know, like you, I, I can imagine some actors reading the script saying, but I want my big action scene. Right. Yeah, like everybody else gets to like do the shoot 'em ups. And here I like, I don't, I just behind a computer just desk gets, the whole I mean, time. got to cry once in terms of like <laughs> acting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Kind of so anyway, I, and I thought it was a nice, um, uh, uh, I thought that was nice. I thought that that was a, a good touch and it's not dwelt on. It's just like, not nah, like, not takes the gun and he hands it over and off she goes, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So hopefully he realizes like from either direction. Yeah. He's not equipped. Yep. I did. I mean, I have more questions, but I think they are because it's a comic book and there's more like I, I, I get going in 
for current issues or protecting particular people. I don't understand the saving someone who then in two generations does something else. Mm-hmm. That part I didn't understand. It, who is there? What's the all seeing eye that's allowing them to know to put those pieces together other right. than and history? I don't, right. And my, my read on it was that they didn't know. They were just, it's because they saved this person that this oh, thing happened. I not see. that they wanted that thing to happen. I don't okay. think so. I think it's more like they're just making the best choice they can you know, year by year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which would also be really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, things might have been even better if they'd saved somebody else, right? Like, there's, you know, the counterfactuals like are, would also maybe drive you crazy in all those, all those years. <laughs> yeah. the, oh, go ahead. I just say then it, I, I, enjoyed then realizing okay you know booker went the way he did because he tried to cling to his mortal life and Mm -hmm. that was so torturous for everyone that he was blah blah andy has been around the longest she's already lost i think what she would have thought of as a forever companion right and she's over it but nikki and joe are in such a different position Totally, totally. That, of course, for them, there's a there's a contentment there that mm-hmm. is kind of unfair, uh-huh. <laughs> but not also not their fault, and not like, and it would depend on what you wanted, right? If yeah, it, yeah, because the the luxury on the other side is like, Charlie's can go out and have all the fun she wants, right? Anywhere, right? I mean, there's right. different ways, but but for them, they have found this like perfection. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, why not just keep doing good while we're here? Cause we have each other. And like, yeah, I don't know. It was so interesting that within the team, there's such a different daily realities. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It's good. It's such a good movie. You know, the, um, the only other thing that I didn't love about this movie yeah. is I like the idea of them at the end coming to Copley and making him their Bosley. Like, I like mm-hmm. that idea, but it felt a little, it, it, to me, it cheapened the movie a little bit. Maybe it's the way it was done. It felt a little like, um, like a pilot for a TV show then at that point. Sure. And I was like, Oh, okay. And he's only going to be around for, I mean, he's only gonna be able to help them for the next, what? 25 years like and so i get it i understand and it's you know you don't hire to tell edgy for it to just be behind the computer like he's gonna need things to do in sequels and stuff yeah. right um so um but and maybe it was the, just the way it was like if that again felt a little comic booky in the way the rest of the movie hadn't where they're all sort of lined up you know um flanked you know in front of his thing and he's on the other side and like and she like lays out the you know, right. um, rules or whatever. It's just, oh, oh, mm, oh. For me. Yeah. Tell me, please help That's me. a little resolved. If we push this back to the time of love and basketball, and it's taking place in 2000, we are far too much into social media and all the interconnectedness and yeah. surveillance yeah. everywhere. Yeah. For me to believe that now they need, someone to sweep news for them or whatever. Right, 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 right. I but see. If you pull it back to uh-huh, uh-huh. the nineties or early two thousand, right. like pre pre iPhone, pre 
surveillance state in the way we think of it today, yeah. pre-social media. Yeah. Okay. And then, then I think that is a vital job at a tipping point. Yep. Yep. I see it. And also like a penance for him for having betrayed them. But I yeah. don't know. He was so, I just don't trust him as a kid. You know, the way that they've, uh, what they've shown me of his character, it does not yeah. seem strong enough to be uh-huh. part of this machine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know the source material. We'll have to wait and see for the sequel, I guess. <laughs> you keep saying sequel. Are they well, all they're, coming they're back? A sequel. Are they? They're talking about it. Yeah. All right. Interesting. I mean, the movie is successful. They don't, you know. It's so yeah. hard. For, I mean, it, I, I don't read the same things you do. So I just don't. I don't feel the success of streaming things mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tiger King, I felt the success <laughs> of. Right, cultural pen- penetration is a yeah, because, yeah. I, I'm and I'm I'm all good on that particular penetration. <laughs> <I've done. laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, Tobin. Yes. Would you like to play a game? I would love to play a game. Okay. So we have some characters that we know some things about. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking particularly of the four that we know at the beginning of um, Andy, Joe, Nikki, and Booker. Yep. And I have some um, inventions okay. from previous centuries listed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I've just picked ones that seemed interesting to me. Okay. But I would like you to tell me if, you know, who... Who was most excited about what invention? And you don't okay, have to okay. match them up one for one necessarily. Um, okay. And I'll share this document with you so that you can read um, okay. what I've written. But okay. uh, oh, uh, this will be edited out because I'm just sending things to you. So I I should have made you able to just see this little thing. So again, I have looked through um, mostly like uh, thought catalog and uh, Wikipedia inventions of different (laughs) centuries and picked ones that I like. Okay. Okay. And that I think could be helpful (laughs) or detrimental to our characters. Okay. Okay. So starting in, we're going to do three centuries worth. Okay. 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 So starting in the 1600s. Yep. That was when we first had a refracting telescope and yeah. also a reflecting telescope. I don't know what that means. So we're going to say <laughs> telescopes. We'll ask our dad. We will. You'll Speaking of us. our dad, a slide rule <laughs> yes. was invented in 1624. century, isn't it? Champagne, mm. so my century, in yep. 1670, and yep. the pocket watch in 1675. Do okay. any of those feel like something you're, a character would say finally or this is helpful to us or you know how does how do those match with our what we know i don't know why but i feel like um uh joe would be really into a pocket watch i don't know if maybe because he feels a little like more stylish than the other ones like a little more into not like in a vain way but like a little little more into style um and and like he feels like a guy who could like pull out a pocket watch and like make it you know, make it work for him. So I think pocket watch for sure. 
Um, uh, and for sure, Charlize would be into champagne. I mean, there's no nice. See, and and I was gonna say Charlize would definitely be into the telescope. As the oldest being, yeah, okay. I feel like having it, seeing the connection to other that there's more than this planet. Right, right. I don't know. That's I true. That's that would, good. That struck yeah. me as something that she would have had fun with when it was. Maybe available. I feel like they they would all like champagne. Maybe that's you're just you're you're gonna need champagne to get through. You know, like oh, like, this is gonna oh, make man, this is gonna be great. Bubbles? Give me some more. <laughs> exactly. I love it. And then I mean I don't know when orange juice gets invented, but then like brunch, right? So now we're, yeah, yeah. Okay, totally. So for the 1700s, yeah. I have picked. A few different things. So, the piano, 1709. A mercury thermometer, 1724. The electric telegraph, uh-huh. 1774. I mean, so that's communication. We're getting right, there. Right. The yep. flush toilet was something yep. very important to me in 1775. <laughs> and then I'm so shocked that submarine was invented in the 1700s and was first uh-huh. used in the American Revolution? There's some famous battle where they sunk a submarine in one of the lakes off I mean, New York or whatever. Sunk, yeah. so I don't know what that means. But, <laughs> well, um, I'm sorry. Lost to the depths, breached and full of water, as opposed uh, to being... Yeah, and can I just say, I didn't dwell on it because it is, but the um, Queen's... Uh, 500 years like that is 100 percent on that particular is now on my list of terrible ways (laughs) to die that wasn't before but like even know yeah i won't even go to the submarine um thing in disneyland Uh like no 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 yeah um so piano thermometer telegraph flush toilet submarine what do you think our old guard would have to say about the 1700s I think that Nikki would be a huge fan of a flush toilet. <laughs> I, there's something about he 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 feels even though Booker's the youngest, he feels maybe because it looks like he became immortal, the youngest, like he's like the youngest in age yeah. of like human age. Um, and he just has this look like he just feels like, oh, guys, did you see this? This is amazing. You'll not believe what this toilet does, guys. Like that feels like his his sort of like, you know energy so i feel like the flush toilet would be would be big and then the piano i really really feel is booker's thing like in some smoky like it's later on but some smoky corner of a bar with like a scotch and a cigar there's a a romanticism to it yeah and like sitting there playing like you know his jazz eventually you know on this piano like i i feel like that's a real booker thing totally but and none of them would go near a submarine, I don't think, given what happened to yeah. to, to Queen. So, Valid what point. do you think? What do you do? You have a do you have a? I, I mean, ones? I agree with piano as Booker for sure. I have a couple of medical related things in here, and I would just I don't know would they take their temperatures? Like, would there be an, a period mm. where they were trying to kind of scientifically understand themselves more? I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. the other part I was thinking about was the communication, and at, at what point. Um, people would be talking about them. And you can see in, in Copley's research and in offhand comments, Andy said, she, you know, she was um, thought of as a God at one point, like yeah. the, 
course there are things written about them and all that, but just as communication changed, I, I just think that would be a important component to their mission in life. And I guess they could then also go out to different places. Like they could get in touch with one another from farther away then too. Right. Yeah. True. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. 1800s. Uh, get fun i think the ones i have chosen are aspirin which we know andy would have had access to natural versions of prior mm-hmm. to this but so mm-hmm. aspirin as a tablet She's like this again yeah. exactly, in 1897 <laughs> yeah. the sewing machine in 1846 machine gun in 1862 chewing gum in 1870 and then the automobile in 1889. These are my highlights of the century. How, <laughs> how do you feel these intersect with our characters? I feel like what, given that Andy has been such a warrior for so long that her getting her hands on a machine gun would be big, like a way to, to dole out that much lethal force would be, you know, um, would, be, also, would be big for her. If there's a clock on them, then... Oh, dangerous. More dangerous for sure. You know but I feel I mean? like she'd be... Every weapon, the comp- like, she feels like someone who, for me, would be a new wep- new sort of weapon technology comes out. She is on it. Yeah. Like, how do I use this to my advantage? How do I what? How will this interact with my fighting style? I mean, the fact that they're able to pull off sword and gun fighting at, at the same time, you know, it, you know, to me indicates that like that would be she'd be like, get, I want my hands on that now. Yeah. Um, then and then I don't know. I feel I feel um, uh, chewing gum is something again that Nikki would bring to the group and say, <laughs> "You guys, <laughs> like, check this shit it's out." Eating, but not right. And then and then Charlize would be like, "What are you doing? Yeah. You're chewing like so rubber, like." And then like cock her machine gun and oil it up, and you know like <laughs> that would be her her thing. And then maybe I don't know. I get, maybe it goes back to I feel like for um, uh, Joe the car would be the automobile mm-hmm. like his pocket watch and his ride. You know like yeah, I could see I him, could see, yeah, see him get behind the, on the wheel. Yeah, I think yeah. having for Andy in particular, having been alive for so long, a sewing machine would be. <laughs> so helpful in terms of just they go through a lot of clothes when they die uh and and to be able to mass produce more Mm -hmm. clothing to be nondescript i don't Mm -hmm. know just making it less in those immediate needs of like shelter and from the elements i i thought sewing machine would be i don't know something that that at the time would be exciting Maybe right. not. Maybe I'm not thinking, are they? So, no, like I can hear, imagine her after all this century saying, I don't want to sew anymore. Exactly. So, <laughs> like, right. Then that's the thing is there's time before and time after all these centuries. The problem with the 20th century. Yeah. That um, I remember a science teacher telling us at some point was that like 20th century is such a turning point where even in like the first half of it, the average person could understand the technology around them mm-hmm. without being specialized. Okay. Yep. 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 Okay. The average person could understand how a toilet would flush. Right. Various right. Things. Right. But then we, and it happens in the 20th century that shifts so, so far that any of the things around me, I do not understand why Wi-Fi works. 
Right. I don't, just don't. I don't right, understand. Right. Well, this is silly. And I think other people would understand it, but like how my vitamins are in, how I have gummy vitamins. Like yeah, what is yeah. in this gummy that's different than other gummy and how right. is it and how does it absorb and what, what do we, you know, so those are just Again, our father could tell you the answer to all these things, exactly. but yes, go ahead. Well, our father is not the average person. So, <laughs> no, Drew, that's true. Um, but Good you point. know, that, there was yeah. a, sh- a shift in, you can explain to someone how a rotary telephone yes, works. Yes, Right, right. Yeah, anyway. Right, I got you. So for our bonus round, I just went to the very beginning of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. in the first two decades, before things really get modern. Yep. Here are some things that happened that I think our folks would be interested in. And let me share them yeah. with you, Tobin. Okay. Uh, vacuum cleaner in 1901. Sure. Sure. Followed by the air conditioner in 1902. Mm-hmm. The crossword Which is wild puzzle. to me. That, that feels early for an air conditioner. Yeah. I think it probably had yeah. actual like ice in it or something. Uh, yeah. Good point. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, crossword puzzle. 1913. Okay. Also 1913. The brassiere. Big year. And then 1917, something you wrote a report on in my fourth grade, the zipper. I did. Whitcomb L. Judson invented the zipper in 1917. And my, do you remember how my report was, was put together? Um, I do. The front cover zipped up. <laughs> it did. It because, did. you know, there is, it's not an Addington um, presentation. If it doesn't have some flair. So if you're going to enter gotta a coloring a contest, you got to put cotton on that Santa beard. You got to put real <laughs> sprinkles on those cookies. Right. It's true. It's true. If you're going to write a report on a, on a zipper. Shit better zip up. Yep. And that, that, that got me in an A and the coloring contest got me a Nintendo. So yes, it did. Shit works. And if you want to hear more about the weird weirdness of our Nintendo, uh, Twitter us, and we'll tell you the various <laughs> rules that surrounded that Nintendo in the 90s and why Wild. we didn't have video games. Like, yeah. <laughs> as much as we owned that, we did yeah. not have video games. It's true. Um, okay, so the final bonus there, early 20th century um, inventions. Okay. Tobin, how do those strike you? Okay, I think that um, Booker, the air conditioner would be big for him. He feels like a sweater to me. Uh, and maybe it's because he drinks so much and sits behind that that uh, piano. But for whatever reason, I feel like I could hear him then standing in front of an AC mm-hmm. and letting the air just blow on his face and like taking him out of himself for a little bit. Um, and then I feel like for Charlie's, like I'm tempted to say the 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 bra, but I think I'm going to say the zipper. Yeah, feels to me like zippers would be her. Like I can enclose things in this place with a quick flick of the mm-hmm. of the of the zip, like. And I imagine that if you'd been alive that long, then you could see where some of these things would lead, right? Like you, when you see a zipper, you're like, oh, I think I can think of like 18 applications for this that aren't even on the horizon yet. So tactically, I feel like zippers would be big, would be big for her. Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. With the bra, I thought um, certainly to blend in, it would be important to kind of stay up to date a little bit with clothes and there could be times and aspects where it's helpful, but also she would have solved for her anatomy long before. Um, And I think she would laugh being such an eternal being at the like sexualization of an objectification of women 
in, you know, as blah, blah, blah. Don't get it. Given, given how she dresses in this, the kind of like late um, stage utility. utility workout, like I sweat mean, wicking fabrics and, you know, things that will breathe and move and keep you uh, cool and or warm. Like, I feel like that's that feels like a very function. comfortable aesthetic function. function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But somehow hot function Sexy. like yeah, ah. yeah yeah um and then i just think things like crossword puzzle are, are going to be helpful for these folks that are you know killing time doing a lot of traveling <laughs> totally totally well it would be interesting to talk to people along the way it would also be irritating totally it's the same shit different century exactly in terms of what so they're talking about things yeah. like your crossword your sudoku totally with friends uh so <laughs> yes, anyway yes <laughs> that's the end of my game everyone's a winner today <laughs> thank you for walking through the centuries with me and um thinking about what what these characters might enjoy well thank you for putting together such a fun game it is always such a joy do my best <laughs> Now is the moment in our podcast where we decide whether this movie is progressive or regressive and give our closing thoughts. Is The Old Guard a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Aislinn, what say you? I mean, I think it's pretty easy to tell that this is one of the most progressive, I would say, that we've done in terms of being a little bit beyond gender in, in the story. But... Um, absolutely with the behind the scenes and all that we know, making sure that women are an integral part of, of every, every part of this. Um, and it's that amazing idea of, you know, um, raising up others as we climb ourselves, right? right? It's not a zero sum game. It's not, I get it. And which means you don't, it's let's, make space for each other and make space for the talent that's around us and make sure that um, opportunities are not limited based on superfluous parts of identity. Here, here. Well said. Totally agree. This is a, if you give people opportunity, if you give talent opportunities to shine, they will. And that happens in every stage of this, of this movie Um, from the casting to the stunt, work to the choreography to the camera work to the editing we didn't talk about the editing Terrell Shropshire's editing but it's like it makes all it, it makes the spatial geography in fights can get so disorienting and I feel like this movie is only disorienting when it wants to be mm-hmm. um, oh, that's a great point Every, and I feel like so intentional right right and so and that that comes from the top down and I feel like um one of the things that makes me happiest about this movie is that it's going to allow it's going to it's going to make Hollywood give Gina Prince by the wood more opportunities to tell more stories. She's talked about wanting to t- make an action movie for years. She was been, she was close to some Marvel movies. I think like she's been on the radar and, and af- hunting an action movie for a long time. And so I'm so glad that, that um, she's been able to do it and it d- has done it so well. So yes, hundred percent progressive. Yes. And also one more time, this is not a movie I would typically <laughs> want to watch or enjoy, but I am recommending that people watch it. It's there you go. So, there are moments that are so satisfying, especially in the current era, that um, if you want to feel, if you want to feel and feel good, 
<laughs> I don't know. This movie made me feel good. And that's, yeah, that yeah. does a lot, I think, at the moment. Speaking of movies that make me feel good. Yes, please. Then, yeah. Next month, we're going to go back. Back to the early 2000s. We're going to time travel? We are going to time travel <laughs> and we're going to pick up something that is a, a little lighter. Okay. Um, okay. Arguably more or less fun, depending on what's fun for you. Um, and that I truly don't know where we're going to land on. <laughs> Yeah. You know, this will be, this is a, how, how does it hold up question? We're going to talk about the 2001 classic Legally Blonde. Yes, we are. That comes out September 29th. Please join us for that. Um, And in the meantime, stay uh, safe and well. Wear a damn mask if you would like one. (laughs) I will make you one. And that's not even true because I rarely hand one over i give them in pairs because it's true you're gonna need to wash one is in the wash yeah hopefully you encounter someone and and say and they say oh where did you get the mask oh i have another one it's just right here it's no problem so um sorry i got ahead of our um tags no i i it's true. I took my I took our new puppy to the hardware store yesterday and was um, directly complimented on my mask. She said, "Oh, and this one that you had made is it was the blue one with this with the red. Yeah. Um, it was the first one I got from you, and um, the, and this person behind the counter said, um, "Oh, your mask! I love your mask. It makes me so happy. Those, those colors make me so happy." I said, "Oh, my sister made it for me. It makes me happy too." I have a lot of a lot of bright colors, some neon, some fun bugs, some. Halloween one's coming, although I got to be honest, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make them for every holiday. (laughs) Are you an Addington or are you not an Addington? I am, but I'm also a doctor. (laughs) Okay. Um, So if you would like to, if you would like a mask or would like to argue with me about anything, um, I am at SassyNerdMT on Twitter and only respond about half of the time. Tobin, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington, where I will respond to you. I respond to everyone who writes to me on Twitter. That's true. If you wrote to me on Twitter, I would respond, but I don't always uh, jump in. You know. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thirsty. I'm on Twitter a lot, and like when people write to me, and I may not be using that right. Is, can you use that word in a non-sexual like, way? Yeah. I think like so. Like just wanting attention. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because not. I think the basis of it is wanting attention. I would just yeah. be careful. Okay. Okay. So I take that as something specific. Yes, exactly. It's not that. It's like I, I just, I like to interact with people on Twitter. So um, write to me. <laughs> oh goodness! And you can find us on Twitter at contenders underscore pod or on Patreon at thecontenderspod.com. Special thanks to our members who've joined at the marquee level or above: Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me, and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at Cage Club Pod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Tobin Addington. I'm Aislinn Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. I was thinking maybe a Nora Ephron movie for something a little different. Yeah, something a little lighter. A little uh, sleepless or 
what's the one with other one with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan? The email me if you can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> email me if you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is I it mean, actually called uh you've got mail you've got mail email <laughs> you can. yes you um, know tom hanks <laughs> have you seen you can get this out have you seen the um on it's on a list of funny tweets but somebody asking their friend like what is the thing what's that word for like when you're horny for something but you don't want to have sex with it like I'm horny for Halloween, but I don't want to fuck a pumpkin. <laughs> and then the other person responds, are you trying to say excited? <laughs> That's it. I'm excited when people uh, <laughs> reach out to me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>